And I'm Stanley Wiggins. And this is Black Hipster, where we talk about Black pop culture, gay pop culture, Black gay pop culture, and sometimes other shit. Hello, darling. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> How are you doing? I am well. I am drinking really, really strong coffee. <laughs> it's a coffee day. I'm excited. It's sad that I get this excited about being able to drink coffee, but I'm drinking coffee throughout the week anymore. No, because it just gives me too much heartburn. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you know, I don't drink it with anything in it. Like I don't put milk. I don't put sweeteners. Like stuff like that. So I, I'm just drinking it like black, straight up, and it's Nespresso. And I have taken to like this. Um, this espresso that they have that's like a 11 on the scale, which is, I think, their highest. Yeah, their highest is an 11. So it's super concentrated with caffeine. Um, oh, like which, 11, like the 11, the scale is like how much caffeine it has. It has, yeah. And it's an 11, which is the highest. And I love it. It is amazing. It's so good. And mm. I, I have water. So what I do is I run the pod three times, which Nespresso tells you not to ever do. They were like, don't run the pod more than once. It's that nice. <laughs> I run the pod three times and then I top it off with some water. And mm-hmm. I'm like, so it should be thinned out a little bit. But yeah, if I'm drinking this every day, like my heartburn is through the roof plus wine. So now I'm not drinking wine or coffee during the week, really. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, I can have coffee. Like I might, if I, if I have coffee on a Sunday, then I won't have it again until like Wednesday. Uh And then I won't have it again until like Saturday or Sunday. You we've had this conversation before. We probably had it on the the podcast um, about coffee. Cause I know you really only love, Expressness, Nespresso. Nespresso. Yeah, I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a Nespresso drinker. I hate to sound all bougie and shit, but I'm just being honest. So is there, it's an espresso, it's an espresso, the the coffee that you're drinking. No, they make coffee too. But what you have is an espresso, right? Yeah, well, I guess you can call it that. Um, How is it different from like another type of espresso? Like, of course, why you make it. Is it different from an espresso? What? Is, there's is espresso, n- there's coffee, there's cappuccino, there's lattes. They're all just like variations of coffee drinks. That's what I'm saying. Because Nespresso, what you're drinking is a, equivalent to an is am I, am I getting confused? It, an espresso, okay, so right? Let's be very clear. Nespresso <laughs> is just the brand. Like, yes, I know that. Yes. Yes, Nespresso. Right? Yes. So they make everything. They make coffee and they make espresso. Yes, you're making your drink. What you're drinking is an espresso, right? What I'm drinking in this moment is an espresso run three times with water top. Exactly. Now, someone would argue that that makes it not an espresso anymore. <laughs> but yes, the pod is an espresso pod. Okay. So okay. So now we. So then, do you like any other? Espressos, like, have you had other espressos from other places that you feel like, okay, this oh, is yeah, good? Oh yeah, sure, they're gross. Yeah, you said that. You said they're gross. They're terrible. They're, they're oh. terrible. yeah. Like I used to get espressos from Starbucks once in a blue. Um, but I would get a double shot of espresso with a pump of uh hot white white hot chocolate, oh. <laughs> like pumped into it. Somebody put me up on game that it was uh-huh. did that. But otherwise, it's so bitter. Yeah, it's so harsh. It just tastes burnt. Yeah, I've had espressos from other places and they are terrible. Oh. Um, 
the the that um Italian place um in in Greenwich Village, Olio Cui, I think uh -huh. you pronounce it. They make a really good espresso, but other than that, like a lot of places, they just don't get it right. Like they taste really burnt. They're really harsh. That's why an espresso, I like it so much because it's so smooth. Even the ones that are like 11s, you know, the really, really high concentration of caffeine, they're still really smooth. Nespresso needs to pay me for this. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, for yeah, that's, that's interesting that you're not a coffee drinker, but I mean, you found something that you like. I have not gotten into it. I have not. No, in don't. Don't. It's so bad for you. Well, it's also, I it, it doesn't taste good to me. I don't enjoy the taste, actually. And, you know, I only try to drink, uh, actually, just water and alcohol. So, like, when I have, you know, Josh, he's really into That's coffee. Just... Well, because it's just like, listen, I like to eat a lot of calories. I like to eat a lot of bad stuff when I can. So it's just like, I'm not going to put anything else into my diet that's like a sugar drink or anything like that. It's like, listen, I love wine. I prefer to drink wine and I just drink water. So he's always just like, I want other beverages and other beverages in the house that I can drink besides water. And I go, you can buy anything that you want. I'm just <laughs> right, not going to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> but he's really into coffee. Exactly. It's just like, you drink it. I'm not going to drink it. But yeah, I mean, we've been, we traveled and we go to certain places like we went to italy and coffee's big well coffee's big a lot so many places but you know i had a few coffees with him and i like the taste of sometimes when you have one that's like they have the milk and they sweeten it but i just don't want to get into that because it's a dangerous territory you know you have something that's sweet and it's just like i can't i don't want that can go badly so quickly i'm drinking this unhealthy drink that has the caffeine in it and it's also sweetened with the dairy i'm like let me not even do it oh i told you i don't really put i, I literally might put a half a teaspoon in a full cup uh-huh like if it's like a for me a full cup is like six ounces i really can't drink more than that <laughs> otherwise uh -huh. just waste the rest but uh -huh. I, i'll put like a half a teaspoon in that i like otherwise it just tastes too sweet to me does al drink coffee no, you already know. Heck oh. no. <laughs> He'll have an espresso once in a blue if for the just for the caffeine. If he's like playing poker, up uh -huh. on that playing poker. Other than that, no, no way. Yeah, it is. It's also interesting. I mean, we aren't talking about this. I mean, this isn't what we were planning on talking about. But it's interesting how it's such a culture, especially. I mean, in most big cities, there's all these you know, shops devoted to all these coffee shops and then how you strain your beans, you know, you know, I think you have a French press. There's I do. But don't you also feel good when there are coffee shops around? Like when you move into a neighborhood, that for me is like one of the markers of like, okay, this is a neighborhood. <laughs> when you see coffee shops, because there's something yes. very like leisurely exactly. and I think just, I don't know, comforting, even if you don't drink coffee, about a coffee shop. And of course, yeah. I'm a writer, so I'm like, whoop, someplace to work, bring my computer to sit for hours, pre-COVID, of course, because now I can't do that. And it's really, really sad. Yeah, yeah. It, you <laughs> and know, we work from home, which makes sense. Yeah, and you work from home, exactly. It, yeah, to your point, yeah, I agree. It is something, that it makes, it's like neighborly. It makes the neighborhood feel like, there's like a neighborhood spot that you can go to. Right. It just makes it feel, yeah, warm, warm and yeah, and inviting. Welcome. And you know, like this is a safe space and I a safe space. And I'm like I said, I don't even drink coffee, but I will go there just to get like a sweet treat or like a coffee or a biscuit or something. There was this place that we used to go to in our old neighborhood. And like I said, I'm not into coffees, but Josh used to get this drink. Um gosh, but they would put butter in it. They would put a hunk of butter straight into mm -hmm. it and melt it. 
Yeah. Okay. You're like, mm-hmm. bulletproof coffee. oh, I've had it before. Oh, with the oil, bulletproof coffee. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. And I'm like, that was really good. Also really sweet. It was like a, something, a maple, something or other. Mm-hmm. And they would put some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not like odd. A lot of places do it. Listen, coffee, coffee is a thing. <laughs> shout out to the Libra Cafe in Sunset Park. And shout out to Judy's in Sunset Park. Oh yes, Judy's Judy's cafes. Well, <laughs> Judy's is also a bar, so you can get a coffee, or you can get a Jamaican coffee, or an Irish coffee. Yeah, listen, it's I feel like too more so than ever. It's all about versatility, and um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like you have a place that you go to to get coffee, to get alcohol, and you can get a get, glass of wine. Yeah, get a glass of wine. You know, they they serve some food also. You know, you mm-hmm. they 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 have a little space where you can dance if you want to. Those are always oh, okay. The now, you, now you know too much. <laughs> like, well, if someone's like, dancing in the coffee shop, yeah, I don't want to be there. <laughs> no, I mean like after after <laughs> hours, you make that coffee. You're so stupid. I mean, after hours, you know, it's, you know, they have those coffee shops where they have a space where usually at the front is very cramped, where they can have like a little live band play um, while you're, while you're sitting there drinking or eating. They'll have a little neighborhood band, you know, that plays. So my thing is if you had a spot there that once it gets late, you know, past 10 or so, you clear that out, you people go to dance a little bit. You get, then you can serve your alcoholic drink. Okay. Now we're just in, in like fantasy t- <laughs> like, like, should you just make it up in your mind at this point? Listen, I know some place, I know there's some city in the U.S. of A. that has that, and they are successful. There's probably Madison, some places- Wisconsin. Exactly, exactly. Listen, yes, and not, not to not to shift gears into dark territory, but uh-huh. before we um spend uh, too much time talking about coffee, um, we do have to say. A, a big, you know, rest in peace to DMX, Earl yeah. DMX Simmons, who passed um, on Friday. Yes. And, you mm-hmm. know, that um, everybody felt it. And, you know, they had reported that he had been, um, he had been in critical condition in the hospital following a heart attack that they believe was due to a drug overdose. Yeah. And then several days later, you know, he didn't quite pull through and he mm-hmm. passed. So just wanted to give a big, R.I.P. and you know, good vibes to all his family and and loved ones or whatever, because it's sad. Um, yeah, could could not be a a huge rat fan and not uh, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was crazy because um, I had been listening to some old DMX um, like maybe like a month or so ago. Um, it's dark and hell is hot, which for me mm-hmm. is still to this day his best album. I think which which album was that? His second or first? His first album. Okay. The first one with "Get at Me, Dog" and "Rough Riders Anthem." Um, all that. And by the way, "Rough Riders Anthem" the remix didn't get as much play as it should have, but it was really good too. Uh-huh. I mean, the original is the original. You you know when you hear that the like. <laughs> But the original, the remix, which had the same beat, was also hype. Yeah. Um, so let's not get it twisted. Um, that intro, when that beat dropped, it ain't something new. Oh, that was the shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember when Get At Me Dog came out. I think I was in, like, the ninth grade. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, like, that was a long time ago. Yeah, a while ago, exactly. I was, I was like, 14. 
um, when Get At Me Dog came out. And I remember there was another song on that album that it was never a, a single, and I need to look this up so I don't remember the name. Um, that song used to be my shit, and mm-hmm. I think folks used to just kind of look at me sideways like, like girls weren't supposed to listen to like music like that. And it was just like, whatever. That song was hype. Yeah. It was like, um, oh, it was called Fucking With D. I used to love that song. Um, super short, but man, I used to know all the words to that. The language is so foul. I used to be going in. <laughs> it's so stupid. The language is so foul. It is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was listening to um, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, and I was listening to Confessions of Fire, um, Cameron's first album. You know, like a couple months or so. Uh-huh. And just being like, man, I used to go hard on some hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> rap. Yeah. <laughs> don't so much anymore. <laughs> it's, different. it's different. Yeah, the rap is different. It's changed. Yeah. I can still appreciate a, a, a dope ass song, but it's, mm-hmm. it's very different. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, DMX. We're sad to have lost you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so young. So young, yeah, so young, and yeah, it was pretty sad. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. I, I guess I had, I forgot that he had struggled with addiction. I forgot that uh, he had also released these. But you know, I was never really a big rap fan. Only um, for a few songs, I just wasn't a big DMX fan. But it wasn't like I didn't like him. It's just like I just didn't didn't listen to his music. But then, um, you know, people have been playing his music in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, you know, just cars, and that's when I knew I knew he passed because someone was riding. It was like three cars were just riding past the apartment, and they were playing his music. And then one was parked outside playing his music. And I go, ah, I'm pretty sure he passed now, because you know the news people have been talking his updates on his condition, and yeah. you know he was in a vegetative state, a vegetative state. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I'm like, oh, he passed. But I was hoping. I was like, yeah, he was. I think I just kept thinking he's so young, so I'm hoping that you know he pulls through. It was just it was really unfortunate, you know. Well, it was interesting to me too because you know they have been talking about it a lot, and so I saw not that I saw what happened in real time, but I my TV's always on the news, mm-hmm. so it was like whatever was on, and then it was like breaking news, you know, rapper DMX has passed and whatever. So like like very soon when it happened. Um, you know, I was working and it just came up on the TV. But I was like, is this just on local news? Because I'm in New York? Or is this, like, has this become a a huge national, like, news thing, news item? I was super curious about that. Because I was like, okay, I expect it to be talked about in New York. But Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if everyone else is getting this much, um, like, news about it. I wonder... Well, because, I mean, I guess if you think about because you would know better than I. I also did not know he was born on, we shared the same birthday, December 18th. I had no idea. Um, but I, um, I wonder his contribution to hip-hop. I knew that was it significant in the sense that um, this was global news? You know, in, in the sense of did he sort of have a different sound that he introduced. Definitely, to me, he didn't sound like a lot of rappers at that time no, when he first came out. No, definitely. It was, it, was, it was an original thing. Also, too, you got to remember that in the 90s, the late 90s, when DMX's first album debuted, that mm-hmm. was the um, the shiny suit era. So when Rough Riders came out with this oh, like, yeah. heavy mm-hmm. different persona, because remember the locks? The locks mm-hmm. were signed to Bad Boy. 
and yeah. Diddy was kind of moving them into that shiny suit kind of thing. And Jada kissing them were from Yonkers. Like, they yeah. were not, you know, that wasn't their style. Like, once you you really saw what they did, come on, Styles P and all of them, that was not, they yeah. were not shiny suit guys. And you saw that shift when it was, they, clearly they were like, oh, no, we rough rider tight. We're going to go over here. Like, this is definitely, so it was that shiny suit era had been raining for a little while. Mm-hmm. So when DMX came through, like, nah, we, we switching it up. Like, I'm a thug. Um, it was very much a, a, a real contrast mm-hmm. <laughs> from that whole kind of party and, you know, bullshit that we were doing. And, um, yeah. So, he he definitely kind of ushered in a new wave and a new sound of like, no, it's okay to actually talk about thugging again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and then like having songs that didn't necessarily always need like some crazy hook, you know, or sampling some, some 1970s beat. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was definitely different. Yeah. It yeah was... the, the beats too, like they were ve- like, they were hard. That's what I'm saying when, like, I would be walking around singing, like, fucking with D and, and somebody looking at me like, what? Because those beats were hard. Yeah, very hard beats. not yeah. melodic. There was no marriage of, like, that R&B. Okay, maybe how's it going down? But, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, for the most part, like, like, remember, like, Stop Being Greedy. Like, that almost had a little bit of that West Coast kind of Dr. Dre kind of melody to it like uh-huh. yeah, it was it was very different from everything else that was coming out of new york at that time that's Nas true. had kind of taken a, a, some time off <laughs> like Nas <laughs> had dropped it and just kind of faded to the back <laughs> um, so yeah it was definitely different yeah yeah and he had a his voice was very distinctive it's like one of those people yeah. that you know no one else sounded like that and then it was it was aggressive it was in your face he had good energy too and um, and it I think he was known, rugged. yeah, very rugged. There, and he was known. If I could, if I'm, I could be making this up, but I felt like DMX was known to be a uh, energetic performer. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, I remember seeing that because he would perform sometimes, and um, it, you know, he just had an energy about him. You know, a lot of people have hype men, which is fine. He had his occasional hype man, and I've only I haven't seen that many performances, but the ones I would see, I would always go. He has great energy. Man can carry a show himself. He'll eat nobody on stage except oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's um yeah. Sad, sad, um, sad day. I know. Well, rest in peace, Earl DMX Simmons. Mm-hmm. hmm <clears throat> But um I guess switching sort of gears again, you know, going to what we do want to talk about um you sent me this fab fab article <laughs> from the atlantic look at you you're all educated <laughs> oh listen I, I, listen i do a lot of reading on the weekends because i'll just like pull something up um you know just pull up a blank tab and then you know how on your computer it's like all the like random news stuff and then I'll be like, oh, this is interesting. And then I'll mm-hmm. open it and then it just leads me down a rabbit hole of other stories. Yes. Like yes. And then I'll be like, five hours have passed and I've been reading like <laughs> random articles. Yesterday it was all about like organizing and decluttering uh-huh. and a minimalist way of living. <laughs> and now I'm like cleaning all of my old clothes and shoes out to get to Goodwill. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Is it just like things you don't what is it? The book, like yeah, kind of like, like weird, things like, that don't. Am, 
am I going to be disappointed if, am I going to be like, oh man, why did I give those sneakers away? I really wanted to wear them today. I'm like, no, I'm not. They can go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't care how much they cost. I don't care how many times I wore them. If I'm not wearing them now, they can go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to be. Yeah. It can be hard, but it's a good way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't find it as hard anymore. Like, you know, when I used to just impulsively buy clothes and shoes because I'd be like, but I love it. Uh-huh. Even though it didn't have any practical use, which I've gotten so much better when I'm shopping to also not do that. Yeah. Like when I see something, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, um, I'm in love with this. Like, but then I'm like, but does it have any practical use in my wardrobe? If mm-hmm. I have to buy something else to wear with this, it's, yeah. that's already a dead giveaway that I don't need it. Because if I have to invest more money just to make it work. Um, and I had a friend who used to do that. She used to always come to me and be like, oh my God, my friend's having a, 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 a get together for her birthday and her friends are all bad and I need an outfit. And I'm like, your biggest problem is you keep buying fucking separates with <laughs> yes. no other pieces to go with them. Like she'll go out and buy a top and it's just like, but you don't have a bottom that goes well with yeah. it. So yeah. Maybe not. Or yeah. bitch buy dresses. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like uh, jumpsuits or something. Oh, but something, she's yeah. They needing t- something to wear, and I'm like, I just never want to be that person where I'm like, oh, there's an an important occasion or not so important occasion, mm-hmm. and I feel the need to have to go out and buy an outfit because I don't have anything to wear. I'm like, yeah. no, like you should have clothes. Well, yeah, you definitely should have clothes. Yeah, yeah. I always think I need to get more dressy clothes. You know, I don't have a lot of dressy clothes. Um, I have one suit. How you go to dressy things? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Whenever there's some addressy thing, like your wedding, I was debating, oh my gosh, should I get something new for the wedding? But then I'm like, I think I'm just going to wear the same suit that yeah, I've had for... <laughs> that you got with me, that you went to get with me, mm-hmm. and uh, we got tailored. I still have that one suit, and I'm going to get it like tailored again. But um, it's like, I like that suit. I love that suit, and I, I rarely have to wear a suit, so... Um, I would say maybe you need two, but I don't think I mean, any more than that. Yes, I agree. O- only I think I'm going to get another one. And as I get older, you know, you think about, you know, I think about, well, what do I want to be like when I'm older? <laughs> you know, like not what do I want to be like. What? <laughs> but you know, your st- style changes, and certain things that yeah. you wore when you were younger don't look the same on you as you mm-hmm. get older. Oh, but yeah. I don't, and uh, I'm like, I just want to, you know, you'll see older people, I'll see older men, and I'm like, he looks so good. He's just dressed in trousers. They're like, RuPaul always says, look, you know, wear a suit. And not specifically the suits that RuPaul wears, that they look good on him. But <laughs> I want, I'm just like, I like the suit look that I could wear. But I go, you know what? I've always been easy. I like things that are just easy and that I can throw on. T-shirt and jeans. Or T-shirt and just bottoms that I don't have to iron or too much. And that, it, it, that's what I want. So I think that's the type of um, older person I'm going to be. Older yeah, but person. That, yeah, but you don't know that until you get older. And then when you get there, you can just get some clothes. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't... will still be on sale in 20 years. Well, no, that's what I don't stress too much about it. But I always think, you know, what, what you know, I see older people and I'm like, oh, they have great style. I love that. But then I'm like, oh, that's too much for me. I just want to be... I'm, I know that I'm easy and I'm pretty sure that's not going to change. Like, I'm going to be like... 60 and I'm gonna you know I want to be I want to wear complicated clothes I want to have to steam and iron my clothes every day and wear multiple pieces it's like I don't think that's gonna be me I'm gonna be more more just laid back and like oh girl I just threw this on you know 
That's yeah. what you're gonna. I feel like I'm definitely gonna be high waisted elephant pants kind of lady. Big <laughs> <laughs> yes. flowy blouses. Like, yes, I yes. I barely want to iron anything now. Are you kidding me? Oh yes, you hate iron and stuff. Yeah, we live together. I would sometimes iron some of your stuff in the morning. I don't mind iron. I like it sometimes. Oh, it relaxes it. me. Much. Yeah. And I hate when like I like something so much and I'm like, there's no avoiding ironing it. Because I try yeah. to buy clothes that don't need to be ironed much. Like, <laughs> when I buy clothes, I consider that. Uh, like, if I wash it, it's going to need to be seriously ironed. I will dry clean a shirt just because yes. I have to iron it. Yes. <laughs> and, and I wonder, is that a special, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's function, it's practical. It's practical. I don't know. Practicality is the word. Part is that of word? it is like the shape of it. Right. I bought this shirt from Zara. I adore this shirt, but after I washed it the first time, it's white. First of all, wow. it is so, because it's like, it has all these round, there's no edges. Everything mm-hmm. is rounded on the shirt. It's extremely difficult to iron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't like steaming things anymore, and I like ironing things. So I'm like, Ugh, I'm never gonna wear this shirt again. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> I spent like sixty bucks on this shirt. I'm like, never gonna wear it again. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, I do too. I see certain things, and you're like, this is beautiful, and you go, oh, this is not gonna be easy to wear. Or it's just like, I mean, less so for men's clothing, but yeah, exactly. It's just like I don't wear this as much because I need to iron it. Uh, that's always a thing to me. I'm like all these clothes, and I'll end up giving them away. This something, this I pulled out some of my spring clothes, and um, you know they're all wrinkled because I keep them in a suitcase. You know, but while I switch them over, I have a level closet like I used to have where I could just put up all of my clothes. But I don't got that space no more. So you need to store things and put them in sealed bags. When they come out, they're wrinkled. You have to steam them. Or you have you hope the wrinkles will fall, which never happens when they've been sitting inside that crap for like three mm, four no. months yeah so and that just means it's less and less but i do feel like there's something about the summer that makes me even less likely to um to iron my clothes to iron, i right. will go I out put on the same freaking shorts every day. <laughs> like, if i'm being honest same shorts every day and then now since like the pandemic same shirt too yeah <laughs> like, yeah what am i switching my shirt for i mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere i didn't go anywhere no one saw me no one saw me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's terrible to talk about this because this is not at all. It isn't. It isn't. But We're you know. talking about economics. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is specifically how, you know, wealth and, um, well, wealth and status particularly affect people's values and behavior. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit related, but what do you call? Is how do you pronounce? Is it noblesse oblige? Is that what it is? is oh, it girl, I I oblige. I, I don't oblige. Oh, is it just oblige? And I'm just making this way more fancy than it should be. Uh, yeah, but it just doesn't make no oblige. I guess that makes sense. Oblige. It, it's the term is a little confusing to me, so I haven't looked up a definition for it. You know, just reading well, the article. In the article, they kind of get into like essentially what it means yeah essentially yeah but i'm like the specific term i have not looked at you know the article of course fleshes it out and you get kind of what it means but i didn't look up the term specifically to see what does this mean but um yeah it was interesting oh you mean like how it breaks down linguistically yes yes exactly exactly it's like i didn't do that sometimes that helps uh for me as far as like with language uh but uh the article didn't the article was really interesting. I guess it, it does feed into sort of how I think. I'm going, that makes sense. 
that makes sense. You know how, you know, the more money you have, um, the less likely you are to sort of sympathize um, with those who are less fortunate. And then also the more you ought to feel like you've worked so hard for what you have, I guess it's, so you sort of have a blind side to your privilege. Right. And um, also there was something else, the less, the, you know, the more you want, you know, sort of value, the more your values become not warped, but changed by what you have and how you live. Just as, right, and that you start to believe your own your own hype. Yes. <laughs> Drink your own Kool-Aid and start of kind of feeding into this idea that, well, you deserved it or you earned it somehow. <laughs> yeah, that was really, and that is, you know, that plays into, you know, privilege about, you know, race, about wealth. And it was it really, because all of those things are wrapped up in each other, especially in, well, in the world, not even just America, because you have, you know, people who are, who've grown up with a certain amount of wealth and they're white, they got that because of essentially slavery and racism and being mm -hmm. able to have access to certain things. And, you know, they've grown up accustomed to that. And, it, and you know, they've never thought, oh my gosh, when my family's been involved, their family may not have been directly involved in slavery, but they benefited from that in America. And so they attain certain things. And it doesn't mean that they don't work hard. It's just like, well, you benefited from that because of the way the system is. And then you don't, you look at other people, you kind of grow desensitized to how other people are, are living. And you think, well, I'm working hard. I have these things. This is what I've got. They don't seem to be working as hard. So they don't, they, that means that they deserve it. And if they what did- What is the part hard, that's the biggest bullshit? Because I'm just like, really? They yeah. don't seem to be working as hard? Because mm -hmm. I see a lot of folks out here who don't have shit, and they work extraordinarily Extraordinary, hard for exactly. the little bit of not have shit that they got. Mm -hmm. um, I actually did look up the term, and it, it translates literally to nobility obligates. So it's this whole idea of, like, you know, with wealth comes responsibility to give back to those who don't have. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and of course, in a in a great world, you would think that's how it should be, but you know, in in this study, because he said one thing that he said I thought was interesting that you know you look at wealthy people and you know of course this is just an average, it's not everyone, you know, but it's just you look at how they give. You would think someone is worth fifty million dollars. And they gave away you know a million dollars, and people go, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. But he goes, actually, their whole wealth you know, that's not, looking, taking into consideration what they're worth is not a yeah. lot of money. Relative. It's a, yeah, relative, <laughs> exactly. Where he said that he sees sometimes that people who have less money will give away a much higher percentage Absolutely. of their, um, their wealth than, um, than people who are wealthy. But, and he's like, the, you know, the more money you have, the more stingy, essentially, you get. You want to hold that money um, to yourself and, and to make sure that your family members and it, it continues. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's actually really, it is super interesting, but also fucked up. Oh my gosh, it's, yeah. Yeah, that it's like the poorest people are the ones who help the poor people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's also, it isn't news, you know, like. No, yeah, it isn't news, not, yeah. Yeah, it's not news to us. It's not like something that we just had never heard of or like could not have you know come to the conclusion about without reading this article or um 
looking at that whole monopoly um experiment that they did and I, I i don't remember if it was from a documentary or something that i was watching but i knew about that uh, monopoly experiment where they basically rigged the game um mm-hmm. just to to kind of test um and see how what would happen if they pretty much just started certain players with more money in the game um it wasn't just the more money too it was like the poor players also couldn't pass go as many times so they couldn't yeah. collect the 200 dollars and things like that it was also down to like the poor players couldn't get the car which i guess is the most um desirable piece in the game so they would mm-hmm. get like the boot <laughs> which, yeah, like, which is don't, typically don't want stuff like that so they pretty much just already rigged the game to make it that one player was just super far ahead and the other player was so far behind so mm-hmm. for like every five hundred dollars the poor player got the wealthy player had gotten like two thousand or something like yeah. that and then they were yeah. like over time that like the 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 player that started with more um would get louder in the game. They would physically mm-hmm. take up more space in the room. They put like a bowl of pretzels on the table and they would eat more pretzels. And it was interesting. and then they would when they asked them about the game and like how come they won and stuff like that, they would be like, Well, I strategized better and things like that, versus like, Well, yeah. I started with more money and exactly and go more time. So clearly I had an advantage. Like they never acknowledged that they started with an advantage in the game. And that's kind of this, this whole idea of like, um, yeah, there's just wealthier people just also not acknowledging, especially like people born into more money, that they're starting with <laughs> at an advantage. They're starting so far ahead in the race. Um, yeah, kind of turn around and be like, well, they should have trained. <laughs> and 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 it's and it's interesting, and I feel like because yeah, because they're ultra wealthy. You know, those people who are making, I think it was like thirty million and up. You know, already if you're making two hundred thousand dollars you're i think one percent or something of the population over like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that you're up in that range where most people don't make that and then if you're talking about people who are making millions of dollars a year i mean they're the one percent of the one percent you know and it's just their i want their reality at that point then they're swaying you know they have a hand in politics where they are a lot of their what i said absolutely yeah, and, and that's when it gets really scary because then you have those people who are so unaffected by what's going on at the bottom and they're no longer living like the majority of the population. You know, they're only looking out for their best interests. And that's what's really interesting, like not even interesting, something that isn't, isn't news to us, but I wonder why that isn't talked about more. Maybe because they control a lot of things that we see. But I, I wonder... <laughs> They're the ones who control it. They own it. They decided they don't want nobody giving away the secrets. So nobody's giving away the secrets. Yeah, it, it is. One of the things in the article that I thought was interesting also that he said is like, I think um, as far as like wealthy people, it, it tend to be more about the, the bigger, not the bigger picture, but are prone to more u- 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 tear, tear, utilitarian. 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 Gar, gar. <laughs> Mindset then they're less wealthy um, um, counterparts, which makes them make decisions that some people may feel like are heartless. You know, like they would, if, you know, like for the vaccine, you know, they would say, okay, well, this is vaccine rolling out and it's gonna help, you know, billions of people. But they're like, it's gonna kill a million people. 
They go, well, listen, honey, we had to roll out that vaccine. It may kill those billion, but for the greater good, then it's going to help them. And right, which um, sometimes is a better decision. Yes, yes. If, if, you know, sometimes the, the folks who are are really empathetic are just like, well, no, we have to try to figure out a way to save everyone. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. there isn't always a way to do that. Yeah, So yeah. you got to make hard decisions sometimes. And yeah, they, they said that sort of state of mind that the people who hoard their money um, often have because they look at things in that way. Um, obviously, it, it affects them financially, um, but then also it, it it's not always a bad thing in mm-hmm. terms of other types of decision making. I mean, yeah, I get that, but we talking about the money. Yeah, and I wonder, <laughs> I wonder too how that person, how you get to that point where you kind of, because everyone works hard, so it's just like, not everyone, but I'm saying if you work hard and you make $30,000 a year versus someone who works hard and they make $300 million a year. It's like, what, why does that person who makes that much money feel like they're much better than that person who makes $30,000? Because and I they think it's so far away from yeah. like, or they never have been mm-hmm. um, in that um, position. Like, yeah, there's just so many. You, you think about like, you ever see people who they could be wearing something as simple as a white t shirt and jeans, mm-hmm. and you're like, that's a $300 white t-shirt, yeah. you know, and, and, and $200 jeans. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're so pretentious that they're just like, well, I had to get jeans from Rag and Bone. Mm-hmm. It's like H&M just isn't even on their radar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't even know what they sell in there. Yeah. Or like you ever be with someone who's who has a lot of money and you go into a place like Zara or H&M and they're like, oh my God, this stuff is really cute. And you're like, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh my God, this is only a hundred bucks. Yeah, and you're like I ain't paying hundred dollars for that, and, you know, because <laughs> we're poor. Yeah, and they're like their mind is blown, and you're like, where do you live? Yeah, <laughs> but it's like these things aren't even on their radar. Yeah, because like they would never go into like stop and shop. It doesn't even cross their mind. Like they're like, uh, no, I just get all my groceries from Cinderella. Where do you shop? And you're like Target. <laughs> I wonder. Uh, that is a good point, and I wonder too how much, because uh, to be a person of the world, and especially so much with social media, and I've been around certain people who have a lot of money, and they seem to be very aware to a certain point how much things cost and the value of things. And of course, they have their standards about what they're going to buy, and you know, if you buy this, you invest in it, and it's good quality; it'll last longer. But I do think there's this element of exclusivity to certain things, and there's about how much is about how we place value on people who have more money and um, and, and in those physical things and material things that they can buy, they can buy with them, that status, that means something. You know, it's just like, how do I put this? Like, you know, if you're buying the most expensive cars or you have this big house or you have that t-shirt that's $300, you know in the back of your head that that means that you're in a sense quote unquote better than the people who aren't able to get those things. I think and and that shows the world that you are in a in a way better because of I think the value that we place on people yeah, with fame problem. and fortune. Yeah. We don't with place the word better. Yeah. Not better just um just have more money. Like have more money. Privilege. Like you're not even more blessed. You know what I yeah. mean? I love people who are hashtag blessed. You're not even more blessed. Yeah. You just have more money. Mm-hmm. That's all that but then people think able to buy a $300 t-shirt and not think twice about it that's all but I, 
And I do think to a certain point, we still live in, in a society that believes, it, it still runs like if you have a lot of money, then people think you must have worked hard for it. You must have worked harder or you must have worked harder, not always, than our next person. I think privilege is something that recently we've started to have conversations about. It's like, well, no, I mean, it's always been talked about, but I think on a much larger scale, people are going, okay, well, you got that. Think about how you got those things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you worked hard, you didn't work hard for it, but that's your parents' money that you were able to use to start that startup. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to work, go all of those other avenues that someone who didn't have those that um, who didn't have those things originally did. You were set up, you were given a grant, you know, you were given a million dollars to start that company, given a million dollars to do this and do that. Or, or if you moved to New York and you wanted to start a career in fashion, which we had fashion and people work hard. It's just like, but no, your parents were wealthy or they were connected to someone. So you were able to get an apartment, afford to not, afford to take that unpaid internship and then to purchase the clothes to make you fit in a little bit more with that whole fashion crowd, that those things play into it, you know? Yeah, and, but then it could also be a combination of both. You Maybe you did have a leg up, but then you also worked hard. Yes. But I think where it gets blurred is the not acknowledging where you exactly. had a leg up. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's you kind of being like, well, I worked extremely hard and I had sleepless nights and I had this and that, that and it's like, as did the next person, the, mm -hmm. the only difference between you guys was that, yeah, your parents paid your rent for you to live in New York and not work <laughs> so yeah. that you could take those um, uh, uh, lesser um, positions as an assistant and doing the shit work and all of that to work your way yeah. up, essentially. But yeah, like there was clearly something, something there, something to that. Whereas yeah. that same person who didn't have any means and didn't have that support, whose family could not do that, who didn't have any other like doors being open for them. Um, mm -hmm. even, even connection wise, like, yeah. Oh, but you know, you know, your dad knew somebody who got you an interview or got you the internship or what have you versus this person who had no connections in there and had to figure out a way to pry that door open with picking <laughs> crowbar. Yeah. Um, right. So it's just, this, it's like no one's saying you didn't work hard mm -hmm. to get what you got, but you need to acknowledge if it was a combination of someone opened a door for you and then you worked hard mm -hmm. <laughs> to exactly. keep that thing. But yeah. the problem is when people sort of forgot, like with those, door, like with those doors being open for them mm -hmm. and certain opportunities being floated their way. And acting like it was only because they worked hard and then kind of shitting on the people that came after them. Yes. And, and it's like, that's not how this is supposed to work. And, and, and to your point, I wonder sometimes do people even, is it something that like they even consciously realize? Like, or did they pay attention to, you know, like you have a connection somewhere, you're able to afford these things that able, your parents are able to get you that apartment or, you, you know, your parents know someone on the board and able to hook you up. I wonder, is it something that, it's weird to me because it's like, well, that obviously happened. That obviously allowed you to get a foot in the door. So then why either are you shitting on those other, like it also should mean that you are much more sympathetic, empathetic or whatever to someone who doesn't have those advantages. And then why are you not willing to recognize that? Is there, is there some shame in that? Is it something that you're even so, you're so used to that you don't recognize as a thing? Because no one talks about it. No one wants to acknowledge that. Like, I think their privilege in a certain way that allows them to be able to be empathetic to other people who just, they see working just as hard, 
but they don't want to give them a chance because they don't have that sort of pedigree, the same pedigree. I think that happens a lot. Oh, okay. they yeah, look, that's exactly what the, the whole article is about. The fact yeah. that people sort of just inherently adopt, they like not inherently adopt because those two things are opposite of each other, um, <laughs> that they kind of, they, they take on that, that outlook mm-hmm. and, like sort of unknowingly, um, but it's something that's just built into the having that mm-hmm. makes people do that. Like just not even realizing that they're doing it. Um, and of course, for anybody that's going to be born into wealth, I think mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, and obviously it's relative because there's a big difference between somebody whose parents make, you know, $500,000 a year versus somebody whose parents are like damn near billionaires. Like, yeah. There's a big difference. There's a there's big gap there. It's yeah. funny that you were talking about the top 1% because um, I was looking at something and it was like the difference between the top 1% in the world and the top 1% in the United States. Oh my god! It's a big difference. It's like to be in the top one percent of the world, like your annual income is needs to be anywhere between like two and three k, two and three hundred k. Whereas like in the U.S., it's like five something. Mm -hmm. So it's funny how like you know you'll have those same people who could be complaining here in the U.S. Like oh, I make a hundred grand and we still don't have this, we still don't have that, and it's like you're damn near in the top one percent in the world. Yeah. You yeah, you close, like buddy. Like there, are, there are so many more people who have a lot less than you do. If you oh really, my god! Like, look at it in the scheme of things on a real like macro level. Yeah, just just even in the U.S., you know, because I was looking at this recently and how I think if you make in between, if you make a, a little bit under, I forget, I think it was like seventy nine thousand to like a ninety nine thousand dollars, you make more than nearly seventy percent of the population in the U.S. I said, what? It blew well, my yeah, mind. They said like the average, I guess, income for among taxpayers is like $82,000. It was this USA Today thing that I was looking at. Um, and I'm like, is it? That's the it, average? Yeah. It, it, not where I live. The people it, do not make $82,000. No, no. And they, ta- they said, you know, a lot of those statistics are sort of in inflated by how much those people sure. at the top own. That yeah, how how they have, I'm sorry. That's what it was like, to, to say that that's the average is really sad because yeah. that means that those folks are making insanely, insane amounts of money. Like, yeah. because I'm like, no, no. I mean, I live in an immigrant neighborhood, but mm-hmm. I'm just like, I would imagine if someone took a poll what the average um, annual income around here would be, and it's probably somewhere in the 40s, mm-hmm. the 30s or 40s. Yeah, that's... Oh, it, like, you know how much more people have to make to average that out to 80? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's something, I mean, we, we've had these conversations about, you know, just wealth distribution in the, in the U.S. and how that's, you know, screwed up. And even I think one of the things that you mentioned to me was like Trump, and I only know a little bit about this and how his whole tax law like from a few years ago was really benefiting the wealthy and of course and because that goes back into these people that's where it gets dangerous them being able to influence and -hmm. a lot dictate a lot of the laws that are constructed and made and to need to get more money it's like you don't need any more money and that's the thing and they create all of these programs like you know we donate and it's good for citizens to help other citizens but it's like homie 
Do you know that if you gave a billion of your dollars, if all the billionaires in the world, all, I don't know, 40, 100 of you, I don't know how many billionaires there are, they got together, say even the top, like Bill Gates, um, Elon Musk, um, Jeff Bezos, and now his wife, Will Conhucker, she got half of that. And, you know, the Waltons. <laughs> oh, now Kim Kardashian. Ooh. Yeah, Kim. The, 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 the Waltons. Yeah. If they got together and gave a million dollars out of all, they could raise $10 billion. That could fund most that could fund multiple countries that could get rid of starvation in multiple countries i mean i don't know how money and building crops and all that works together like how efficient and how effective it all all of that is <laughs> but, but my thing is they could create something so what are they and, and and that's what i don't understand it's like is that all not liquid is it just a number here's, why here's you the thing Stanley. you aiming way higher than you even need to aim uh -huh. because honestly it's like it actually doesn't take as much money as people would like to think yeah. to put certain programs in place to help with like food scarcity and stuff like that. Just yesterday I was having this conversation with my husband about, um, cause we were watching like million dollar listings LA or whatever. And it mm -hmm. was like a one bedroom house that they were trying to um, sell, but it had like a 25 car garage. And I was like, so basically you're just buying a house for your group, for your cars. What? And then he was like, yeah, apparently like Jay Leno and Jerry Seinfeld, they have like a hanger for their car collections because that's how many like of these like vintage and luxury cars and stuff they have. And I was like, do they, do they own the hanger? Or do they, are they renting the hanger? And he's like, well, I don't know. But I was like, do you know how absurd that sounds that yeah. like in a pandemic, even, you know, to put it into that perspective for folks, that like there are people like who have lost their jobs. People don't have health insurance. They're out here charging folks to get rapid COVID tests and shit. Two hundred dollars if you don't have insurance. Just stupid shit like that. And like people still don't have health insurance. Yeah. But you got a hanger because you own that many luxury cars. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if I ask you to just give up half of them, just half. Yeah. Right. So you can still keep twenty, twenty five, however many you had. Just to help out a bunch of people, like, would you be willing? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just nuts to me. And, and they, they're not even, like, amongst the wealthiest people. In they the are not, world, yeah. Even in this country. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, we don't even have to aim that high. It's just, it's it's really sad. Like, yeah. like, there could be so much more done for people. But I'm like, the problem is, we just don't value people. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't. We don't value people. We don't value human lives. Yeah. And so it, it really just kind of reflects in that way. So imagine if you're asking people to give up their stuff for a bunch of human lives that they don't even know. They don't know. Get yeah. Fuck out of here. They're like, nah, I'm, I'm straight. Yeah, I want I, I want another I airplane. Get, I gave a million dollars to the Red Cross. I get to keep my forty luxury, cars. which is a tax write off. Yeah, and it's just it's it's all of these exactly to your point the things that we put value on. And you know, I've had this conversation. Well, it's kind of like a conversation I was going around around with your husband and Josh um, one time. But we were talking about the value of things, and it was just like you. They were just like we need rules and laws and regulations, or you know, basically. And I was like, I agree with that. But they were talking about how much like how we put value on, well, we put value on the money that we have, diamonds and gold. We are the human beings who decide on the value of things, these physical uh, things. They aren't, they don't right. just drop from the sky and they're just like, this right. is how much and it is. Right, and it's like, this is worth $5 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah, right. We, we give, 
Exactly. We give a value to those things. And then people talk about, you know, building new villages or making things eco-friendly or, you know, providing people with just other alternatives that aren't plastic. You know, they talk about all these things that are happening with our environments and how they're so expensive to do this and make solar power. I go, who, who, who says that? Like, is it, we give, if we said, if we organize our society in a way that we said, okay, you know what, this is what we need and this is going to make us better. We would, we just redistribute value to things. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, this, this whole quote unquote money and currency, we can change that. I mean, of course that I, I wouldn't, I don't know how to do that. And that creates a whole different issue, but I go a large, but it's not like we're, the things that we created cannot be uncreated and, and, and just redone. It's just like, it's not like these things are just, like I said, set in stone and they just came from the heavens or whatever. Right. But part we, of it too is the issue of capitalism, mm-hmm. right? And it's this idea that like anything can be up for grabs as far as like free enterprise. Yes. And so you can literally turn any need into a business. Mm-hmm. So it's like even like like look at like funerals and stuff, and it's like having like fancy funerals and buying um you know coffins and things like that is a very new idea. Yeah, you know, decades ago even like people would bury their own folks. Like folks mm-hmm. would die in the house, and then their family would bury them in the yard next to their wife or whoever. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like you took care of it yourself. And then someone came up with this idea of like, well, yeah, you know, people didn't want to do it anymore. And so they turned it into a business. And then, of course, it's gotten bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger, even like mm-hmm. weddings. Yeah, and weddings. Everybody has, has drank the Kool-Aid and fell into the hype and everyone needs to one up the next person. So now it opens this opportunity to make a business. Oh, you don't want to do it yourself? We'll do wedding planning. Yeah. Oh, we'll do catering halls. Now we're doing million dollar weddings. Like mm-hmm. that's a whole thing. Oh, we're doing celebrity weddings. That's a thing. Cake making. Even to the to the extent of like the second you say wedding to someone, they they've changed the price on you. Yeah. It's like yeah. we were reading an article <laughs> last week where the woman was like she called about um uh, something for a wedding, maybe it was the cake or something like that, and they quoted her one price, and then she called back a few days later, and she just set like a, an event or a party or something without mm-hmm. saying wedding, same exact thing, and they quoted her a lower price. Yeah. And when we were planning our wedding, everyone told me that they were like, "Don't say wedding," because then they mm-hmm. just gonna try to up the price on you. Um, and it was just like it's ridiculous, but part of that is also regulation. It's that yeah. the government allows it. Exactly. And- you know, because the government is filled with people, people who can be swayed by money because yeah. they want things. <laughs> yeah, they want that power. They want that recognition. They want the... the, the or the, they want things. Yeah. Because if you come and you say, hey, if you deregulate this, I'm going to put some money in your pocket so you can actually have a fat-ass crib mm-hmm. and yeah. nice cars. You want to send your kids to Harvard? You know I got some connections over there. Exactly. Make this happen for me. Open this up. Let me do my thing, and I'll I'll make sure you're you're taken care of, and that's just how that works. And so it comes down to those people who having the most money, having the most influence, yeah. and then it's a cyclical thing. But like you're absolutely right. Yeah, if the government decided that they wanted to have some sort of program where it was like, well, we need to make sure all the homes in America have solar power by X year, so you have to the price, you know cap on the work or the materials whatever is this and we're putting that into place some legislation and they're not going to be swayed yeah. <laughs> by the folks want to make more money off of it 
they have the power to do that. Yeah, they have the power to do it. I'm just like, it makes we live in a country that exactly, we live in a country where people don't have access to clean water in America. And which is, you know, toted around the world for many years of being the greatest place in the world to be. So it's just like, we don't have, we have cities that don't have access to clean waters. We have cities where people don't have access to healthcare, but just water is something, a basic need, clean water that you need. And then it's the city's fault. It's those states' fault that failed them and they don't have access to that, but everyone's, and, but then it's up to us, the citizens, who are also struggling to help those people. The government can't put something in place where it's just like, no, we got this for you. You don't have to worry about anything. We're going to give you water. Really? <laughs> that, that, just, that, that They don't have that. That's what since that shows us. And, and when people talk and, and, when, and, and when people walk around and they go, you know, I've had conversations with people who talk about those laws and those regulations. And I'm like, just because it's a law and it's a regulation does not mean it's fair and does not mean it's just. And does not mean that it's right. It's just like they had laws that people were slaves once, a, you know, once a time ago. Or they have laws that, you know, I always talk about that double tax law, which doesn't make sense to me, where you pay taxes on something. And then when you pass away, you have an estate. And then that they tax you on law. that. Again, mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. People go, like, what? They yeah. tax unemployment. Yeah, I'm like, how like, so I need help living because I lost my job due to no fault of my own. And you're going to tax me on the help? Yes. Oh, wow. It doesn't make any sense. But people, no and sense. I'm just like, you put these laws in place. I'm just like, it's still people creating these laws. Mm-hmm. They, they can, they're fallible or, you know, they are incorrect sometimes just like people are because human beings make errors. So it's just like, we can't follow, question what goes on. And, and, you know, it's a whole other conversation with that for no, me. It, it literally goes all the way back to the noblesse oblige, right? Yeah. The mm-hmm. people who are making the laws are so far from needing that help and, you know, being in the position of the people who are affected by the laws that they have no empathy yeah. towards them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's funny you're talking about taxes because... Um, you know, we listen to the market podcast um, every week mm-hmm. and they are talking about how Biden is getting all this pushback because he wanted to up the corporation taxes from 21 percent to 28 percent. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, corporations are like, nah, we need to get him executed. Like, no, <laughs> like, he got to go. <laughs> so they're pushing back hard. So he was like, look, I'm willing to negotiate. We can come down a little bit. But like this is this is happening. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like y'all going to have to pay more taxes. So now he's also opting in for a global tax minimum. Um, and I had never even heard of this, that this is a thing. Um, because, of course, we know how, what, obviously, if the taxes go up in this country particularly, then these uh, companies will just take their shit elsewhere uh-huh. um, so that they can evade that. So whether it's like their production or whatever, they'll still be American companies, but then they'll just be doing things in countries where they're not going to be taxed. Yeah. So that's like people who always moving their operations, quote unquote, to the Cayman Islands and shit yeah. like that. How we hear about all of that. So they're basically trying to create a global tax minimum so that com- companies can't just do that. Uh huh. Um, which is super smart. Which is super good. Oh, they got Biden go get himself killed. He better stop it. Listen, <laughs> they better triple up <laughs> the damn <laughs> Secret Service. Yeah, and then they have everybody they tasting all his water. Money. They will do anything. <laughs> they will go to the ends of the earth to protect yeah. money. When they already have lots of it, which is so yeah, exactly. It's like so you're gonna lose, you know, another billion dollars off, you know, that doesn't go in your pocket, and you're upset about that, and it's just like, well, how how are we gonna survive? Really? 
You can't even spend all that of money the in a lifetime. Billion you already have. Ah, or off the several billion you made also. Or the you the thing is, this is the thing about taxes. It's based on what you made. It's not yeah. like it's like a set number, like, oh, you have to pay a billion dollars in taxes. No, it's like, oh, you made $28 billion. Okay. 28% of that needs to go to this. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. not some random arbitrary number mm-hmm. that no matter what you made, like you're going to end up in the red because you had to pay these taxes. It is yeah. literally based off the income. So, no, they're out of their minds. Please, individuals are being taxed at 28%. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just want to understand why. Yeah, like, and that's, a, that's yeah. like if you're making like 80000 which is not that much money. No. Trying to live in America, you make eighty thousand dollars in New York. You are getting taxed twenty eight percent. Exactly, exactly. I, listen, do you think that this this law this do you think it will actually pass that Biden's trying to push? Uh, here, like here in the the U.S., he he's definitely not going to get twenty eight percent. I think mm-hmm. at best they might get to twenty three. They're not even gonna meet. They're not even gonna split the difference. Mm-hmm. Like, no, these people are not having it. And they, like I said, they will go to the ends of the earth to protect their wealth. Yeah, and they all. It's just like, listen, I know about if you know all those people. They go to their other wealthy friends and be like, listen, we ain't doing this. We ain't doing this. And it's like you get. It's sad too that you have all those. Not that you want your gut. You want checks and balances. But it's sad that the government is now so influenced and so under the thumb of. Rich, just rich, wealthy people. They, they, I mean, they don't got no credentials as far as the government, like running governments and running countries. They just that rich that so they have that much sway that they can tell, they can um, band together and to stop legislation from happening. You know, it's lobbyists and can stop things from going forward, which will help the country as a whole. And it's also dis- sad and disgusting that they have elected officials in there who allow this to happen. That's what, the, you know, even worse. No, I get so upset about it. And I'm just... Yeah. Why? My <laughs> thing is why though? Why, what is it doing for you? What is it serving? Why do you need so much and so it, it's, I just don't understand it. I, 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 I sometimes just want the all into Well, work. Stanley, part of it is because we're poor. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. To the bottom, so we understand. Exactly. Yes. Maybe exactly. if we made more money, then we would feel lots more money. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh. But on that note, we brought that full circle, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, this was interesting to me. I hope it was interesting to our listeners. If so, and you like this episode of Black Hipster, make sure you subscribe mm-hmm. and make sure you also rate us. We're pretty much everywhere you're listening to your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, um, those for sure. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram um, at Black Hipster Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can follow me at the Shawa Evans. They can follow you where, honey? Standrick Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Bam. And you can also email us at blackhipsterpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, any comments, um, show us some love. Some love, love, love. <laughs> um, and on that note, I'm going to go heat up my tiny little last two ounces of coffee for the probably 12th time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I can finish this cup. Until next week. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>